Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with my friend Katie Brinkley from Rocky Mountain Marketing Podcast and Next Step Social Communications. Katie, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing, Ben? I am doing unbelievably decent. <laughs> ben, you know, it, it, and this is your show, but I mean, like, we got to meet in real life, and isn't that weird? I know it. It's so weird. I feel, we because we've met in real life before we re- we recorded the podcast, and you really. You're one of my favorite people, even though I don't really know you that well, because you really make me laugh. Um, I don't know if it's always intentional, but but you do. You make me smile. So I enjoy being around you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It's intentional in the fact that I've been trying to up my percentage of laughter per thing I say. At least I'm trying to get better at making jokes that land. So and I actually said, and that might be a lie. I said before March 15th, I was going to do an open mic stand up. Um, nice. And I think the 16th would be the next opportunity, but I might chicken out. Hopefully not because I just said it on a podcast. So maybe, uh, maybe next time I'll be able to say I tried that. Yeah. Because that would, um, there'll be a question later about a get out of fail free card, but that's what I would use it for. And I thought I should put my money where my mouth is and actually, um, you know, do the thing that I'm scared of myself. Yeah. It's, um, Stand up comedy, man. More power to you. I, that's no. That intimidates me. <laughs> me. It's like you have to bomb. Every every good comedian says that you have to do it. I'm like, if there's anything failure baked into it. That's that's got to be part of it. So I'll see. But it's an open mic. No one cares. No one's gonna. I'm gonna have a fake name. I'll have a nobody I know there. <laughs> I'll just have the ideal scenario to do that. But let's talk about you. So what I'd like to do is I have my guests pump themselves up before we talk about any of the failure stuff. So feel free to inflate uh, yourself before we deflate or whatever, you know, do a a shameless brag, however you want to position it so that the guests understand like what you've accomplished and stuff before we talk about some of the tougher times. Sure. Yeah. Other than meeting you in real life, right? That, that can't be my greatest accomplishment. I love it. I love that it was such, so just to touch on PodFest real quick. I've never been at a conference that was so collaborative and cooperative, even like once it was over and I saw the real estate one or whatever come in, because I was there for an extra day. They wouldn't even like make eye contact with each other as they were walking through the halls. But everybody in the pod fest group was like just going wild saying hi to people that they'd only known virtually. So it was really cool to to finally put like a real life face to people who you've seen either only on LinkedIn or only on podcasts. Really yeah. cool. It it is. And and this is one of the things I love about podcasters because as as you said when you introduced me, I I have the Rocky Mountain Marketing Podcast, but then I also have a social media agency. Um the podcast was something that I'd wanted to do for forever. So I actually, Ben, here's a fun fact. I used to be the post-game reporter for the Denver Broncos and the Colorado Rockies for 850 KOA, which is a radio station here in Denver. Mm-hmm. And that was my dream job. And I landed it right out of college. Uh, so super exciting. I loved what I did, but um, kind of dating myself here. Uh, about three years in, uh, this thing called Sirius XM came out and everyone in the radio industry panicked because they're like, is this the end of radio? Mm-hmm. Is this the end? Um, and so a lot of people moved into television. 
I moved into marketing and I actually uh, later became the marketing manager for the Colorado Rockies TV station. And I mean, hindsight, radio is still here. <laughs> I probably should have stuck it out a little bit longer, but um, I didn't. And, uh, but I mean, I wouldn't be where I am now. And, and starting my podcast was something that I always wanted to do, but I didn't really know what I wanted to talk about. And it wasn't until I went to a conference, I went to social media marketing world, where I finally found the right people to talk to that were willing to just give me the gift of their time and share, well, yeah, if you, don't, you don't have a podcast, it's super easy. Just just do this and this. And you're like, here's my microphone that I, and people were just so willing to share ideas with me on and how to get started. And it, April, 2020 rolls around. You're all given the gift of time. Uh, yep. And uh, <laughs> I think mine started September. Lo and behold, that's when I started my podcast. Yep. I started recording probably just around pandemic's start time, but then I launched uh, in September. So it seems like a lot of people started their podcast then because they realized we're not going anywhere anytime soon. So we might as well, uh, you know, yep. lean into this whole thing that we've been trying to do. Because just like you, uh, I thought Microsoft Excel wouldn't be around forever. I'm surprised that companies still use it today, honestly. Uh, so I thought I might as well do the next thing. Just like you were saying, everyone was panicking about radio. I was like, well, I want to have other uh, outlets of creativity and whatnot. And um, podcasting was something that I'd always wanted to do, but I just thought someone's got to give you like permission or, uh, or a permission slip or something to do that. Yeah. But really, you just got to start. You got to start. And and this is the thing I love about podcasting, coming full circle back to PodFest, is podcasters just get excited about podcasting. It, there's no competition for it. We all just want like, oh, you have a podcast? That's amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about your microphone. Let's how what's worked for you. This is what's worked for me. Like, how can we all how can we grow together? Mm -hmm. And it's such a collaborative community. Uh, like you said, the the people that were walking around and everyone's talking, yeah, it's great to see you. It's an entirely different feel than any other sort of conference I think than you'll ever go to is whether you've just started a podcast or you've been doing it for three years or 30 years. I don't think that's possible, but whatever. Hey, I mean, you, people record it, you know, back when you were a kid, yeah. you were recording your little whatever those things were like that yeah, home alone version of it. Kid. I'm an only child. And I used to sit <laughs> in my room as a kid and record radio yeah. shows. <laughs> Same here. I don't even know what they're about, but I remember doing that when I was a kid, but only child. I don't hear a lot of people say that um, willingly and openly or whatever. I feel like it's uh it's only uh, brought up when, it, when we're the oddballs, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> but maybe we're just always the oddballs who knows. Um, but I think what you're saying makes sense. Cause, uh, a lot of people in the podcasting industry, I think it's, I think it's the fact that despite it seemingly like you have a giant audience, if you have an, a giant audience, they don't really reach out to you all that much and, or give you feedback as to what's going well or not. So it feels like it can be a, Kind of putting stuff out into the ether and not knowing if it's any good or anything. So I feel like whenever podcasters meet, they're like, oh, what do you do with this? Or how do you do that? Like we just try to trade mm -hmm. notes on what's going on because we're like finally someone who gets who gets it. Maybe they have some tips yeah. or something. And maybe I have some tips. <laughs> yeah. And and it's um and I'm sure that you know like but the, the the thing with podcasting, like we said before, it's it's so collaborative. You know, I have a podcast, you have a podcast, we're, we're sharing an audience right now to have a conversation that's going to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's, I really think that there's a lot of people that get wrapped up 
with podcasting. It's like, oh, well, how can I get sponsors or how can I get more downloads or how can I do this? And it really reminds me a lot of social media as we get wrapped up in a lot of these vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. But the people who are truly passionate about serving are showing up regularly for that one listener or for that one follower that wants to learn from you. And if I think that we can sometimes forget that there's somebody on the other side of the screen or of the, the, the speaker Mm -hmm. and they're there listening to us. They're there giving us really time is the most precious and valuable thing in our lives. And they're giving us their time. And whether you have 10 downloads or 10 followers or 10,000, each one of those people matters. And if you show up every single time trying to give value, that's what, that's, what's going to grow, help you grow. And it's going to bring really a community of your biggest fans. Yeah. It's crazy. So the, the speech I gave at PodFest was about how even like one year into it, I was still having one download days where it's like, it can be really tough if you're trying to go for metrics that you can't control, like how many people downloaded and stuff like that. So I try to say that, you know, to do things that you can control, like how many you put out there into the world, but also just recently I was talking to somebody and, um, randomly like we, there was no, uh, they don't do podcasting. They have nothing to do with that. I was talking about what they're doing with their life. They're a teacher. And they said that one of their students who's 12 quoted my show in their paper. I'm like, in the world are you talking about? Cause it's, I don't hear much about people, you know, who actually just randomly are, are listening to the show or anything. But yeah. then I, I got to see the paragraph that they put into the paper that they wrote. I'm like, this is beyond weird. A I mark them all explicit. So I hope there's not many 12 year olds listening, but either way, if you're going to put it into a paper for school, that's awesome. It's so cool. Glad it has some kind of impact, you know? Yeah. And it podcasting and I'm not sure if this is where you wanted our conversation to go on today's episode here, Ben. I have no idea ever. <laughs> but podcasting is is such a great medium because in a such a visual world, there's something powerful about hearing somebody speak. You can hear when somebody truly is is passionate about something by the way that they pause and the inflections in their tone and the way that, you know, somebody gets excited and the, you know, the way that their voice raises when we're, you know, it, there's something so powerful around it. And when you're podcasting, you have a way to build such an intimate relationship with somebody that has never seen you, has never had the opportunity to meet you in real life. But when that opportunity happens, when you meet them in real life, you have the, this amazing relationship because they've heard you speak. They they feel connected to you on a whole different level. And this is one of the truest forms, I feel, of, of building community is through the power of our voices. We're building our communities by showing up, giving value, and creating conversations with people that uh, we never would have had the opportunity to do before. I mean, I one of the most impactful people in, in my life was... Uh, Susie Wargen. She is, uh, well, she was a radio reporter for 850 KOA. Actually, she mm-hmm. is again now. She's the sideline reporter for the Broncos, but um, she moved on to TV and she does real estate and all that stuff now. But I grew up listening to her in the car because mm-hmm. I played softball. 
Um, yeah. and my, we would drive all over the state of Colorado, going to these softball tournaments. My dad liked to listen to him himself, some talk radio. I, I didn't to listen remember. to when I used to be there. I'd listen to eight fifty K. I know uh, that yeah. it just to pretend to care about sports or like to be up on the, whatever the most recent things were that yeah. I had talked about at work. And, and listening to her, she would come, she, it was called the sports chick and she'd come on like once an hour and talk for five minutes, giving the latest updates. But I thought it was so cool that I could hear a, a girl talking about sports because I loved sport. I loved playing them, but like I loved football. Mm-hmm. I loved baseball. I loved all these these different sports, but it was always men talking about it. And hearing her on the radio changed my life. You know, it it changed my life because I was like, I could do that someday. And it gave me something to to root for and to try to achieve. And I think that I have had the opportunity of then she working under her at 850 KOA before she left for TV, but we still keep in touch. We still like text each other. It's, it's amazing to me because she had such an impact on me from a young age and she had no idea, but she 100% changed my life. And that's something that's powerful about, again, the power of voice. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's nuts. Cause regardless of the audience, as like you're saying, like if, if someone listens to, let's say all of your episodes, half of your episodes, whatever it is, you have a really long form relationship with them where they feel like they're uh, almost in a conversation with you versus like TikTok and everything else where it's like very much bite-sized pieces. You don't really get a lot of insight into that person. Yeah. That's what I love about the podcasting piece is like really the, the, if they like what you're doing and they follow along with it, they can get like deep insight into you and feel like they know who you are so that when you do meet them at some point, if you do, or if they reach out to you or whatever, you already have like a relationship established mm-hmm. at least in one direction. Yeah. Uh, and then you can work on figuring out how to, how to bring them into the, is the real life connection piece. But I think it's really cool that um, Susie was so impactful to you because uh, I'm trying to think of who might've influenced me, but until I can figure that out with my own brain at the same time as talking, I'm going to ask you uh, if you wanted to go into any of the uh, the more difficult times. So um, I imagine it wasn't always uh, as easy as it is now. I know you were listed as, what was it, top 113? I don't know why they picked that random number uh, of social media, infl- whatever that thing was uh, a while back. But it seems like you're doing a lot in the social media space, uh, at least being you know, getting accolades and things like that. You, you talked at PodFest on a, on a more legitimate stage than, than me at the time. Uh, and that's not to talk down about my thing, but more like I was attending yours when I realized you'd, you'd uh, reached out to me on PodMatch. And uh, I just wanted to hear about maybe some of the struggles that you've had so that people understand that it's not just something that's easy, but, uh, but takes a meandering path sometimes. Oh yeah. Like, like you said, I, I mean, it, it was a meandering path. I, I kind of, make it look like sunshine and roses of being, you know, like landing my dream job. And then now I have my own agency, but there was, I mean, being a radio porter was amazing. And that was, like I said, it was everything that I always wanted to do. So when, when I left it, I felt really lost. And I don't think I understood how, how great of an opportunity it was when I first Mm -hmm. landed it you know, because I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to move out of this and I'll just keep applying for other jobs. You know, maybe I'll apply for Sirius XM and, you know, I'll just move to New York. It's not a big deal. I don't have like family or a kid, kids. And, um, (laughs) 
it's really hard to get into radio, you know? So, I mean, it was, it was not an easy job to. It's tough when you start out doing what you wanted to do, your dream job, then you're like, oh, well, yeah, well, every job's a dream job. Yeah. But, and, no. <laughs> but I mean, like it, it's, I, I, I moved into marketing and worked at the Rockies TV station. And again, I thought that was going to be my new dream job. I was able to go sit literally right behind home plate you know, whenever I wanted, uh, you know, mm-hmm. had course field was, you know, I had unlimited access to, I could go access it at any time. And it was so much fun. I had a great boss. Uh, she was, she really allowed me to, if I had an idea on something, she'd be like, yeah, let's, let's give it a shot. Let's see how it works. So again, I didn't think I was going to be leaving that job, but then I was laid off because my, my company was acquired by a larger company and they didn't Classic. care what I did. Yeah. They, they didn't care, but they mm-hmm. just saw my, they saw like, Oh, we have Mark. They have all these little marketing managers. We don't need them. Like we don't need to have marketing departments of this size. We just need one marketing person for each TV station. And it's like, well, we went from four down to one really. So the only person that was left was my boss. And I remember I was sitting in my boss's office and I was, I, cause she, she didn't want me to leave either. And I was, I was like, I just don't know what's next. I don't know what I want to do. And as I was leaving, she, she said to me, she goes, well, Katie, you're so good at social media and you've done so many different things for the station that I would have never even thought about. You've really prioritized it and you see the importance of it. I would love to see that you do something with this, where this is all that you do. And I was like, hmm, Okay. So I went back over to my desk and I was like, okay, let's look for some social media jobs. And I was like, everything at the time was like entry level, you know, or mm-hmm. part-time. And I was like, well, I'm at an age now where I can't be taking, you know, entry level work. I've got two kids and a, and a husband now, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, that's not going to work. And I went home and I was talking to my husband about, it and he goes, well, if you want to try and see if you can do it on your own, why don't, why don't you see if you can do it? And so I was like, all right, let's see what happens. And that was six years ago. So, I mean, I started by sitting on the couch um, when my mm-hmm. daughters were taking naps and at night, you know, getting social media done. And then really, I, so much happened for me in that March of 2020. I know that the world, the world shut down, but by that happening, it forced me to say, is this going to be a side hustle or is this going to be a main thing? And I went all in and now I have a team of six people that work for me. Uh, I've got two full-time employees and, you know, four contractors. And it's it's amazing. I love what I do. Uh, I come to the, to work every day. I get to have amazing conversations like this. And I have my own podcast. I get to talk with clients. It's it's amazing. And I, I never would have gone down this path at all if I hadn't you know, jumped the ship too soon in my radio career. And if I hadn't been laid off by what I thought was my next dream job, uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've had my dream job a few times now. And mm-hmm. every time that I've had it, it's been the dream job for that point of my life. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know much about my backstory, but I've been fired from every job I've had since graduating college, which is six for six. And even <laughs> when I started the podcast, it was five for six. So I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, which is you know, trying to make, basically trying to do what you're doing, which is, you know, make it out on our own. And I think a lot of people uh, 
get forced in not forced into it but like we're like okay well we don't jive apparently with either corporate america or uh we're just sick of leaving our lives up to the hands of other people who might not uh, care as much they talk about like company culture and like you rah rah we're a family until they don't need you and then it's very much uh see you later kind of thing and pretty quickly especially a couple of the times that i was uh, fired uh, was because a private equity company bought us or whatever and then you know people just don't know who who actually does the work and the people who are better at the politics tend to stay around uh and so i realized after six times i'm like okay well Clearly, they don't want me anymore. So I might as well try to figure out how to make this stuff work on my own. But I think a lot of people like you and I have to be kind of forced out before we start thinking about doing our own thing, because it just seems like such a yes, like an uncertain path to to go out on your own. It is. And I think that there are people there's two. Well, there's multiple types of people out there, but <laughs> there's a lot of us that kind of fall into the world of entrepreneurship, uh, you know, looking back. A lot of things point to me being an entrepreneur, but again, I never, I never went to, to college being like, I want to own my own business someday. I, I didn't take a single big business class in college. I mean, I wanted to be a journalist. So I took a bunch of journalism classes. Yeah. So I, I kind of fell into entrepreneurship. Whereas I, there's other people out there that, you know, oh yeah, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom, you know, I, my, my grandfather, it's just in our family. And I think that there it is kind of confusing for us as uh, we're building out our, our, our businesses to be exactly what we want to be because we fall, we decide to start our own business for a reason. Most, mm -hmm. you know, most of the time of, uh, well, I love social media, but there's a lot of other things that go into running a business other than like just posting on social media. Like mm -hmm. I've got to you know pay contractors and I got to find clients and I have to do sales calls and I have to do, you know, I mean, there's so many things. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of other things that go into the world of entrepreneurship and um, looking back, like, like I was saying, I think everything was pointing me and like setting me up to be an entrepreneur, learning how to speak and, and mm -hmm. you know, use a microphone with you know, being a radio journalist and allowed me to get used to sharing my message that way. I mean, there's a lot of people that are willing to do YouTube videos. That's not this girl. I mean, mm -hmm. my, I, I feel better, uh, just, just talking as opposed to showing up on video. But I mean, this, we all have different ways that we need to try and grow our businesses. And for me, it's, it's by using my voice and that's where my podcast guesting mm -hmm. on podcasts, speaking opportunities, whether it's at PodFest or I'm speaking, uh, at a women's, uh, entrepreneur event tomorrow. I'm speaking, I mean, like I've got a number of these where I, this is part of my marketing strategy now is to use speaking as lead gen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, uh, so I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's because we were only children or not or whatever, but uh, when I was choosing a college, it was between Bentley, which I did go to for accounting. And then I got my MBA there. Nice. Accounting is like the most boring, like the, the comedian's <laughs> joke of a boring uh, uh, type of uh, career. But there was also a, a college called Babson and they had the first like entrepreneur, um, oh. I mean, at least they marketed it as the first like entrepreneur uh, major. And I was like, oh, that's so scary. I could never do that. And so I think we probably had to go through a lot of pain and growing pains, I guess, before we were like, okay, I actually think I could be the type of person who's an entrepreneur, especially if we hadn't seen any role models like that in our, mm -hmm. in our family yeah. uh, growing up. But then I think you, you'd mentioned that so despite starting out uh, and, and being successful in your business, you said you'd scaled it a bit too slowly. 
Yeah. I mean, I just was using it as a side hustle. Um, I didn't really know I was doing like, I wasn't doing a lot of the outbound lead gen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I wasn't posting on social media. I I, I was following, you know, the cobbler has no shoes. I didn't have time for Mm -hmm. my own social media because I was too busy creating content for other people. And it wasn't until March of 2020 that I got it up and running. But I mean, by then, if I would have just been focusing on using that as a way to share my message and share my brand, I mean, my social media right now is, is lead gen and it's by me not showing up and showing my face. Uh, I wasn't doing, I was doing all the things wrong that I was telling my clients like, Oh, well you need to do this and this and this. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing any of them. It's like, you don't want to take your work home with you. I didn't financially plan my life because I was doing so much financial planning during the day. I was like, "Uh, it's playtime when I get home. I don't have to think about, you know, the same kind of things, but also um, before COVID, I didn't have a beard, so I didn't like being on on camera. I think beard is like a protective shield, but also I looked like Mister Clean without the muscles. I think at the time, so it's uh, it was not the best look. And so I've uh, since become more comfortable on camera. But even like all my old training for Excel, I'd be it was just my voice. I'm just a random person that's explaining it. I didn't show any of myself on camera. I'm like, and I also wasn't posting things to my site. So I was doing a lot of the things like you're saying, like we're I wasn't doing what I needed to. I joined LinkedIn in 2007 and it took me to like 2021 to start caring about doing anything other than the bare minimum for like what that is, because it was so boring of a platform on the face of it. Like most people just think it's a resume holder kind of thing. And really it's got like, I came kicking and screaming, but now I love it as my main platform that I, that I use not only because that's where the Excel nerds are for the most part, but also because it's like, uh, I call it business meeting, stand-up comedy. There's like such a low bar for laughter that like people are begging for something funny. So there's a lot like on TikTok, there's a higher bar for what's considered funny. But on LinkedIn, there's like, people are like, come on, I'm I'm begging to laugh here. I'm so bored with a lot of the content that I feel like it's easier to stand out. I don't know if you've felt the same way about LinkedIn at all. Yeah, I mean, I... LinkedIn is one of my favorite platforms. And and this is the thing with social media. There's, there is no copy paste between social medias. They all have different ways of showing up and building your community. And I think that with, with social media, and this is one of the things I talk about regularly is we've turned into consumers. Mm -hmm. We open up, we open up our phone and we're looking to kill some time and consume. Yep. But if you hop back in the social media time machine with me. Mm-hmm. I love time machines. I love time travel. So go ahead. Yeah, we can hop in the DeLorean. <laughs> exactly. And if you hop in the DeLorean with me, we can remember back in 2007, this is one of my favorite features of Facebook. Did you get the memories? Mm. And there was no feed. We all had our own walls and people would take the energy and the effort to open up Facebook, type our name in, and then post a message to our wall. I mean, so I, I'll have yep. messages like from this girl, Shannon. This is the one I, she said, hey, Katie, I'm visiting my parents in Denver. Would love to get together for a coffee with you if you have time. Yeah. that That's what my Facebook was. It was a mess- to, basically you message You poke board. people. You, can you poke anybody anymore? Yeah, I don't is think that you gone? can anymore. Yeah, but you used to poke people. <laughs> but this is the thing. We were showing up and we were connecting. Yeah, we were connecting with people. We were being a community, 
And now social media is no different than watching TV. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more divisive these days. Back then it was more yeah. connecting yeah. rather than disconnecting or like, you know. Um, exactly. Is- yeah. I'm on, I'm on social media so I can disconnect from where I am right now and be transported to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And this is one thing that we have to get back to it, with our social media, with connecting and building community. I, I have a social media agency and I am not on social media except for certain times of the day where it is part of my business strategy to go out and connect with people, whether it's through DM conversations, commenting on my ideal clients and customers posts. I only post two, maybe three times a week, but I'm still Mm -hmm. gaining new followers and new connections and new leads because the rest of the time I'm intentional with how I show up on social media. Yeah. We're showing up and we're trying to connect. And if we can all get back to that, it's people hate social media now. They're like, oh, I hate social media, but I know I need to be on it. Well, I pro- you know what? You'll like it. It's like an obligation. Yeah. <laughs> You'll like social media if you are only on it for 10 minutes a day and you're mm-hmm. on it with intention. Yeah. I mean, I used to do the, the classic mistakes or whatever. So like when I first started my podcast, I would only post podcast episode and I'd blast it to all four of whatever it was in my scheduler mm-hmm. thing. Now I don't even use one of those things. I, Cause I, you can inform me if I'm now incorrect, but it used to be a, you'd get dinged and then penalized if you used one of those kind of like scheduler publishing things. I think they've since changed the, the, they, they have changed the, um, the API, but uh, I mean like there's certain schedulers that are approved um, mm-hmm. that approved API and stuff. But I mean, it's, uh, it is one of those things where it's like if you're blasting it out to every single social media network, it's kind of the spaghetti. It isn't kind of. It is the spaghetti at the yeah. method because you're hoping that something's going to go out there and it's going to stick. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like so. Okay, where's the balance? So like I mainly focus on LinkedIn, but I also feel like when I release an episode, why we shouldn't like I never post on Instagram, but why am I not posting on Instagram even if it's the bare minimum? Is that better than nothing or as a start? Because I realize I don't post really anywhere else but LinkedIn, but I could easily like repurpose it with a little bit of intent rather than do absolutely nothing. What would you say if like you've got some social medias that you're not so certain of and you, but you do want to show up in some way, what's the, should I just still not post those things or what would be your advice for like how to deal with the ones that you don't really, you're not jazzed about, but you have something you can post there. Stories. Yeah. Instagram and Facebook stories are a great spot to share uh, something. So if you approach your social media, like a website, Mm -hmm. so if someone's landing on your Instagram page for the very first time, it should be a little mini website of what it is of who, what you do, who you serve and why someone wants to do business with you. And any one of those little, you know, pictures in the grid, if they tap on it, they're going to get information on that. Whereas, you know, that that is how you can show up less mm-hmm. because it, they know exactly what it is that you do and they're going to decide right then and there if they want to follow you or not yeah and then you can push them to the ones that you actually are more active on or whatever from there mm-hmm. and 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 i mean like in stories those are the people that already follow you mm-hmm. so people that already know like and trust me they're they're probably going to want to know that i was on your podcast because they already like me like, mm-hmm. oh well, i want to go hear more of this Whereas somebody, if it shows up in the feeds for somebody that doesn't know who I am, 
They're going to be like, I don't know either one of you. I don't care. Yeah. And that's most people don't know either one. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like if the people that follow me, yeah. you know, they, if I share my stories, those are the only people that are seeing my stories. And they're like, oh, well, I like Katie. I want to go check it out. Yeah. So, I mean, find a way to share it for your biggest fans. And I, that's where I think stories is a great way of doing it. Yeah. And by the way, belated um, International Women's Day, it was yesterday at the time of this recording, but the day before was International Ben Day Oh, for Ben's. I, and I'm pretty sure this whole have a day for everything is just so that these sites can get more traffic <laughs> every day and make sure that there's something to celebrate uh, for their own SEO. But but I celebrated Ben. I was glad that it was Ben Day, then Women's Day right in a row because I got to to celebrate both and I'm I heard you're speaking at some kind of thing tomorrow you said yes. for women is that related yep. to uh that at all or is it just um um no it's so it's for speakonomics uh which is uh, an event for speakers people who want to do more speaking opportunities and this one is for uh female entrepreneurs that want to have more speaking opportunities oh yeah we should go ahead and plug podfest global cuz this will be coming out before it and it is what March twenty seventh to the thirtieth, I believe, right? Yes, twenty uh, seventh to thirtieth of March. Yes. And then, so if anybody wants to check it out, go to podfestglobal.online. And me and Katie will both be speaking there, and you can check out what we're going to be talking about. It'll be my second public speech um, nice. ever. So my first one was in January. Uh, how long have you been doing the public speaking stuff? I I really took it, started taking it seriously. Uh, in 2021, I did a lot of virtual events. And then 2022, I started speaking IRL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I tried to do, I tried to do one a quarter, but um, if I've got two in May, one in June, and then I'm taking the summer off and <laughs> trying to kind of recollect myself after all the travel. Um, and I'm going to pretend this is a general question. That's not specifically me asking, but it is ma- mainly me. <laughs> Uh, what would you give to advice for people who's just starting out in public speaking and want to do more of it or um, any tips on how to get better at it or anything like that? Having a podcast is a great way to get better at it because I think finding your message is one of the hardest things to do. What What is it that you say that's different? What is What are the stories that you can share? Mm-hmm. And I think that once you... I mean, you want to go back and listen to some terrible speaking, go listen to episodes one, two, and three of Rocky Mountain Marketing. (laughs) Even though I have a background in radio, I was so uncomfortable. I was nervous. But the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll become. And whether it's you having your own show or you speaking on other people's podcasts, it's a great way to just get comfortable with speaking clubhouse yeah it's still around oh, yeah. yeah it's I a love great clubhouse. way yeah it's a great way to so, get used to speaking on quote unquote stage i was um i was amazed a lot of people gave me a lot of like uh, positive feedback or coming up taking selfies with me after i gave my my thing because i think is exactly what you're saying i've told these stories so many times on either other people's podcasts or my own mm-hmm. that i didn't really have to think too hard about it i think yeah since I was doing the the condensed version of a speech, it's like five minutes with 15 seconds per slide. I was talking faster than I would have liked. Yeah. But uh, other than that, um, I'm not uncomfortable on stage. What I think is a lot of people's main problem is that they're too in their own head in the moment and they're not uh, 
present. I mean, they're not like actually being themselves on stage because they're too hyper aware that they're talking to a, a group of people. So it's, it can be hard to like, I almost like disassociated it during it. Cause it's like, I'm focusing so much on what I'm doing and not the people that are watching that I, I was hoping to nail that piece. But yeah. I think a lot of people instead are focusing too much on the, Oh my God, I'm, I'm talking in front of a lot of people. I should be doing something else. Are they all judging me? Like or they're in their own head too much. Yeah. And I think the more you can get out of that because you've said the story so many times mm-hmm. is probably a way to, to shortcut some of that actually having to get up in front of people and do it. Now that's the standup comedy that I'm going to maybe do in a week. We'll see how that goes, but uh, I don't expect it to go well. That's why I'm going to be Benny Fitzpatrick is my, um, <laughs> my alter ego. Cause I want, when I have a Netflix special for it to be friends with Benny Fitz, because I thought that's hilarious and um and we'll see we'll see how it goes but i gotta have a tight five minutes of stand-up ready in a week where which which where are you going so it's the comedy club very creative name um but it's only about 10 minutes away but i saw brian posein perform there if you know who he is he he's a person that everybody knows but you know him when you see him you don't know p-o-s-e-h-n he's like a orange haired if you look him up right now i can tell you're maybe looking him up uh, you'll know when you see him, uh, but he's, he was on like um, Sarah Silverman show and okay. he, he's the one who started that whole Nickelback thing of like, uh, it's funny to make fun of them. Cause I think on one of his specials, he did that joke, but it was all on the commercials. So I think he gets credit for like everyone hating Nickelback or whatever, <laughs> but either way I saw him perform. Uh, he's hilarious. I've seen him perform in Denver too. And on Thursday nights, the open mic is on the same stage where he was performing. So I was like, okay, I'm a, I made a, a pledge to myself that in like the next month at the time uh, that I'm going to get up on that stage and do it. So I've got one week to put up or shut up for that one in order to like fulfill my obligation. Uh, that's going to be awesome. I think that uh, I'm familiar with the comedy club. There's a couple of them. There's one downtown Denver and then one in Greenwood Village that I know of. But there might oh, be the one. comedy works. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, the comedy works. Yeah. See, I, I I used to go there all the time and I get the free tickets and stuff like that. But I love I love those two venues over in um in Denver because uh, I mean, I just love stand up. I think it's, there's no other like art form or medium where you're like judged every 20 seconds or so. And if you're not per, not doing it well, like you get instant feedback from everybody, but also like you can't fake it. it. You either have to be doing it well, or it'll be very obvious that you're not doing it well. There's no, there's no other thing, even like a Ted talk or whatever, like people are relatively silent during yeah. it. So you can, you can feel like you're doing okay. But if people aren't laughing, you know, you're really not mm-hmm. uh, hitting the bar of what you're supposed to be doing. And it's, it's one of the weirder things where it's like um, people a, don't mind judging someone for being bad at it when they themselves have probably no ability to, to be good at it. It's one of those weird things where people will happily judge someone on their skill level, even though they might not have it or whatever. But also if you, if you ever tell someone you want to do stand up or whatever, the first thing you'll usually do is say, Oh, well tell me a joke or whatever. And I think it's bizarre because you wouldn't say like there's a plumber you don't go, hey, show me how to fix a pipe or whatever, and then judge everything they do around fixing right. the pipe. Like, there's no other thing where they're like, immediately show me the thing that you're saying you do. But I feel like in, in comedy, that's uh, kind of the way it works. But um, I think this leads us into the uh, the last couple of questions, unless you have uh, any anything on the oh. subject of failure historically, because yeah. we're going to talk about like the present 
and moving forward. But if there's anything about like just the concept of failure, anything you want to say to wrap up anything on that before we get into the the forward. No, no, let's, let's, let's keep going. Perfect. So being a guest on the podcast, you get a get out of fail three card. Someone hands this to you virtually through the internet and you got to grab it. Just pretend you can grab it. Go ahead. Boop. Okay, got it. Got, got it. it. All right. So get out of fail free card. What it means is what would you do? What would you pursue? Pretend like you don't have a job or any obligations or family or whatever it is. Okay. So from starting now, if you could go pursue anything you wanted and you weren't going to fail, what would be the thing you'd go do? It could be like, like mine. So my answer is to stand up comedy. And so I'm going to finally start trying to do it, but you could be an actress. You could be, it could be, you have a family and you want to be better at your family stuff. It could be all sorts of things. If you're an astronaut, doesn't matter what kind of thing it would be, but is there something where you're like, I'd want to do that, but there's so much failure involved that I don't want to even think about doing it for real. But if I had this card, maybe I'd do it. Yeah, probably I would want to get back into sports broadcasting. Uh, I love way like on video uh, or on. Well, I mean, so like my my my. I say I had my dream job. I was doing the post game interviews, but I wanted to be the color analyst. So Commentator. that's like that. Yeah, so that's the not the person that's saying like, and you know, John Elway back, you know, drops back and passes it deep. You know, like not that. But the person that does the analyzing of like, oh, yeah, well, if you look here, we saw that, you know, Shannon Sharp did this route. And that's why, you know, Terrell Davis was opened. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll play the dumb guy for a second. And by play the dumb guy, I mean, I will be. So uh, my understanding is there's two. One of them is doing the play by play stuff. It's just huh. like and J- Jim Jones lines it to first and it's whatever. You know, they're just doing yeah. the the route more like. Uh, making sure yeah, like why the along. play was the, why would the play was a success or how he got open or mm. um who was the one that jumped off sides so i mean like they're kind of the ones that are really analyzing like what worked and what didn't i mean like it yeah and well so because the, the two of them what is it the, i know the color i was explaining i think the other one so the other one's called the play-by-play or whatever that yeah. person is what do they yeah, call play-by-play play. okay and then the color commentary would be like more like filling in the air, the the dead space yeah, the dead between space, yeah. what's happened and making sure also it's interesting. So like saying like, this is something that happened a week ago that they did, whatever. They'll talk about yeah. more like the general context of it all. And that'd be more where you'd like to, mm-hmm. to sit kind yeah. of where you can yep. improv your that's, way through. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I would love to do. That's what I, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. And then, you know, it moved on out, but I would love to be able to do that. Um, that'd be, a, it'd be, a lot of fun and you know if anyone's listening of- who has a color commentary uh <laughs> role available feel free to reach out to katie feel free to reach out i'm, yeah. I'm accepting applications nowadays i'm trying to make <laughs> I'm, sure I'm that submitting applications <laughs> if i can possibly make their get out of fail free card come true i'm trying to do that when possible awesome. so now if i hear anybody talk about color commentary or sports <laughs> uh broadcasting I, I at least know that i can mention you and then um the last question before we tell people where to connect with you and everything is um I'm not a big fan of the fake it till you make it um, mantra. So I say fail it till you nail it. And so what is something that you're currently pursuing or going to pursue and you don't know how it'll work, but you're going to fail it till you nail it? Um, So I'm almost done with the book. Uh, I've submitted it to the editor. They gave back the revisions. Um, I just got to do those revisions and it's already March. I wanted to have this done like a year ago, but um, that's what yeah, every so- book's like is like, uh, way longer than you think, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I'd like to get that done. And just kind of, I don't know how it's going to go. I mean, it 
something cool to say that I have and, um, so I will go ahead and plug my thing real quick. So I was just finally published as an author in as one of 10 in an nice. AI art book, um, cool. which I'll link to in the show notes or whatever. But also I'm going to write a book myself and it's going to be called Fail Until You Nail It. So that's perfect that that's the thing awesome. that you're doing in that uh, arena because um, mine's going to be about failure. What do you can you give a preview of what your book's going to be about? Yeah, so way? it's about the evolution of social media and why community needs to be at the core. No matter what social media platform you're on, how is community a part of your strategy? Because that's kind of going back to what I said before. We need to be connecting, not just consuming. That's great because I was mentioning Vinny Potasivo, um on that call that I was talking about uh, yesterday. He said uh, we're moving from the creator economy to the community economy. I thought that was a really cool way of of thinking about it because, yeah, there's a there's definitely there was a a time where all we cared about was influencers. Now it's more about like influencing community wise and building community where people can uh, be more connected rather than uh, divided. I'd say. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Well, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people go to find you, connect with you, uh, any kind of links or, or things you want to point people to? Yeah, if you want to go to katiebrinkley.com, that's a great way to get access to my podcast, my socials. Uh, I even have a free gift there, which is a 31-day content calendar. So if you want to go directly there, it's katiebrinkley.com slash content calendar. Um, but yeah, I mean, would love to connect with you. Um, yeah, let me know. Let me know what you... Where, where you're at with your social media and uh it was this was fun ben thank you so much for having me yeah i appreciate it which social, which social media is would you say people should check out first linkedin uh i'm linkedin and instagram are my two main platforms cool well i'll make sure to link those in the show notes but i appreciate you being on the show and sharing some of the not so bright uh aspects of of your journey and uh, i can't wait to see that book and i'm yeah. gonna go sign up for that content calendar now because i do the Need opposite one? of planning <laughs> yeah. things out <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, thanks again for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons Plus, it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.